You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Nice job, guys. All righty. Good morning, church. My name is Kenny Zuchuku, and I'm so grateful and thankful. What an amazing service it's been so far. Let's give all the students who presented a round of applause. Wow. So I want to start off by acknowledging a few people. Um, so apparently, we've got some people visiting. I have David and Marley. David and Marley, where are you? Um, did I, was I told incorrectly? Stand up. Stand up. Who are you? Let's, yeah, there we go. Hey, David. Hey, Marley. We've got the Noose Bombs. Noose Bombs, yes, please stand. Please stand. We've got Marianne Rose. Marianne, where are you? I haven't seen you yet. Whoa! I love your hair. Wow! And then I have a, a, a couple of close friends of mine. Owen Thomas made it up. Are you here, Owen? That's right. That's right. Good to see you. And then last but not least, um, Daniel and Taylor Bolton. Really, really close friends of mine. So these guys have been friends and a part of the West Side for some time. Guys, um, I think that I want to share something with you, something vulnerable with you. Can I be honest with you this morning? So I was having trouble sleeping last night. I was torn back and forth. Because you see, for six years, I was a UCLA undergrad and grad student. I was there for six years. It's where I experienced volleyball. Yes, woohoo! I did a lot of great things there. But currently, right now, I am a Pepperdine student. I'm getting my master's in divinity. So I was like turning in bed. I'm like, I know we're supposed to dress up. We have to pick which college we're supposed to wear. And I couldn't figure out. So I have this jacket on. And you're probably wondering, why is he wearing a jacket while preaching? Well, I'm going to explain. It's because I want to know what you think. I want to know if you think that I chose my roots, my upbringing, my UCLA upbringing, or if I'm changed over and I've been true to Pepperdine. So what do you think is under this jacket? Raise your hand if you think it's UCLA. Wow, we've got some old-timers. Raise your hand if you think it's Pepperdine. Gosh, I'm, I'm nervous, you know? I don't want people to think I'm fake. So let's see what happens here. I'm sorry, Pepperdine. I'm sorry. I've only been there for a year and a half. I need more time. But I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I love, I love the Pepperdine Campus Ministry so, so much. We've had a great year, guys. And we're going to continue to have a great year. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to start with a quick video. Is the keynote? Oh, cool. There, there's my name. And then, and then we'll start with the lesson. Most people know that in America, Christianity has become this consumer thing. You know, you sit down, you find people that you know, and you go and sit there. You know, in rows, and it's dark, and when you worship, it's just you and God. I was used to going to church on Sunday, sit in the back, and not really be a part of the body, and you walk out, and then that's it, that's your Sunday. 
about. We've just kind of assumed if somebody's following bulletins and somebody's a greeter and somebody's stacking chairs that everybody's using their gift. Just even the concept of church that we have, I've always wanted more than that and felt like it should be more than that. We're struggling in different ways. Marriage, um, feeling a little bit isolated. It wasn't flourishing, I, I would say. We weren't flourishing. If they're not finding that in the church, we have to go back to the scriptures and go, why not? What are we doing wrong? So many people are going in and out of churches and nobody in their church knows what's happening. One of our elders calls it like pastoral malpractice. Like you're actually ruining people by making them consumers because you're supposed to be turning them into servants. We don't come to be served. We serve and give our lives as a ransom for many. It's at the core of what we understand it means to follow Jesus Christ. And we've twisted it, and it's evil. It's really all these things that caused me to just start with a blank piece of paper and just start writing on that paper with scripture and saying, what's most repeated? Uh, what's most emphasized? What does God love most? What does he hate most? What does he command, demand of the church? And let's pursue those things. It's not about having a killer sermon with a great worship set. It's about us loving each other well, loving Jesus well, praying together well, uh, studying the scriptures together well. And then it's almost like our gatherings are excellent, not because there was a ton of prep work done into it, but because people are spending time with Jesus. People are being led by the Spirit. People are loving each other deeply. That's what's going to make our gatherings great. And so it's kind of how we arrived at the new start, I guess. O oh Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers possess nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Do people Make their own gods? Repeat after me. Yes, but they are not gods. Do people make their own gods? Let's go. Yes, but they are not gods. Do people make their own gods? Yes. Therefore, I will teach them. This time, I will teach them my power, and might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. At Pepperdine, we've been doing this series called Inside Out. And we've noticed that in churches, sometimes our meetings of the body, people can come in and go out without ever having any interchange with their hearts. And we focus so much on the worship and the singing and the performance and the preaching that we miss the very purpose of what church was meant for. And this shows with the way that we talk to other people. People not in this group. Outsiders. 
people that we want to bring in. We call this evangelism. And we notice that the lack of evangelism is a symptom of something deeper. When we don't go out and we don't talk and we don't share what's been going on, there's something lacking. There's something that's just not right. So the title of my lesson today is From the Inside Out. And I'm going to make it a lot shorter because, honestly, we've got some more students that need to come up and share. And I want them to share their hearts. So I'm going to speed through this as quickly as possible so we can get them to share. Because that's the purpose of church, right? What's going on inside? We're going to look at Jeremiah and hopefully get some answers from him. And I have three points, three quick thoughts today. One, we all have God. Say it with me. We all have God's. Two, we all lack trust. We all lack trust. Say it with me. And lastly, we all need God. Say it with me. We all have gods. We all lack trust. We all need God. First point. We all have gods. So in Jeremiah, we just read here about Jeremiah having his dialogue with God. He's going back and forth, back and forth. And he says some pretty intense things. And God says some pretty intense things. He's, He's seemingly angry, frustrated at something. There's something wrong with his nation. Earlier on, he talks about them being, don't, don't have children here, don't get married here, don't, don't do it in this land, Jeremiah, because I'm about to tear this place up. And you're like, what, why is God feeling this way? Because the ancestors of these Israelites for generation and generation have been in sin. And it become normal. It become very doable and no one was saying anything about it. It was like they were coming to church and people were coming in and walking out without anyone asking them about their hearts. So God is angry, he's frustrated, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you worshipping these false gods? You know, the Instagrams, the Facebook, the men and women that we want to have deep, intimate relationships with. Why are you worshiping these false gods? They aren't even real. Can you imagine just thinking about that? You're like, oh gosh, this whole time, I spent all this time and energy on something that's not real. And God, with this dialogue with Jeremiah, is trying to let Jeremiah know, you need to tell the people, because Jeremiah is a prophet, you need to tell the people this, because if they don't see it, I'm going to show them my power. I'm going to show them my might. It's coming. And obviously he was talking about the exile where the Israelites were taken out of their land. Their entire land was destroyed and burned and they were taken to Babylon. But aren't we similar to the Israelites? We have so many gods. Church has become consumerism. And this is what I feel like church in America epitomizes. You go and you want things to go your way. You come to be served and not to serve. And that's what I did for years. I did that. And I was the guy that complained in the seats. I was the guy on his phone watching TV shows during service. I was the guy that fall asleep during service because I wanted to be served. So if it wasn't good enough, If the people weren't preaching what I wanted to hear, guess what? Tune out. Why do I need to listen to them? 
So this reminded me of a song. You know that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. So I start singing in different ways. I started like, let's say, let me see if I can substitute that for something else. So I said, I have decided to follow my girlfriend. That didn't sound right. I have decided to follow my career. I have decided to follow the Golden State Warriors. You know, I just kept singing it, and it just sounded so off, because that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to serve and give. And when we do that, church is awesome, but we have to watch out for those false gods. I love this quote. Nothing makes Satan happier than to have a group of Christians who secretly worship different gods. They come together every week for church service, hide their secret, and act as if God is their number one priority when he is not. Satan loves that. He loves that right now some of your minds are so out of here. He loves that some of you are just showing up so you can tell your parents and then go home. He loves it because we're not talking about the heart. Who and what are the gods in your life right now? Take inventory. Start thinking about it. It shouldn't be hard. Guess what? It's the first thing that comes to your mind. The lowercase g gods. Who are those gods? Write them down. We're going to think about a way to deal with them later. Your God will never live up to God. Point number two. We all lack trust. We all lack trust. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. This is me in my sophomore year at UCLA. You're like, where are you, Kenny? I only see three white guys. Well, let's get closer. I'm, I have a bag over my head. And this is during my birthday, my second birthday in college. I was kidnapped by the campus ministry. And you're probably wondering how that, how that's encouraging. Well, it's not. I try. But this is the second year in a row that the campus students kidnapped me for my birthday. So half of my freshman year, I was like, oh, this is funny. But the second time, I'm like, guys, really? Twice? And that's Kendall right there laughing awkwardly because he's, he knows it's wrong. But I remember, <laughs> but when I was seven years old, I remember, uh, going to Chuck E. Cheese for my birthday. I remember inviting a bunch of people, and uh, I think I invited like 20 or so people to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm excited. Woo! And we get there, and I remember distinctly no one actually being there on time. So I'm like, oh, it's cool. I'll just jump in the balls, wait 30 minutes. 30 minutes pass by, no one's there. Hour passes by, no one's there. Hour and a half passes by, one kid shows up. And he gives me this gift of a Barbie doll, but the Ken model, not Ken Chow, but the, <laughs> the black Barbie doll, Ken. And that was the gift he gave me. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't like Barbie dolls. You know? <laughs> but... From that point on, I have real issues when it comes to my birthday. And I know it sounds silly, right? It's like, you're seven, 
But you'd be amazed at the things that happen to us when we're young and how they affect us today. So when this happened, guess what? We go to this restaurant, Denny's, great restaurant for a birthday. And I walk in and guess what? No one's there. Except for Kendall, obviously, who drove me. They put me in the trunk of the car and they drove me around. I'm tossing and turning. We get to the thing. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go to like BJ's or something. Denny's. I walk in, no one's sitting at the table. People are coming late. There's a miscommunication with time, but guess what? It brought me right back. Right back. Guys, I have trust issues. And I know a lot of you in this room have trust issues too. Can we all say that? I have trust issues. Say it with me. I have trust issues. One more time. I have trust issues. Just say it. There's no need to hide it. We all know that we've gone through stuff. But church is the place where you talk about it. It's a place where you're open with it. It's a place where you cry and pour yourself out. Because the people here are supposed to bring you to the person who can help alleviate all your pain. But sometimes we don't do that. Because we want control. You see, when we get hurt, we want control. We, we push people away. We're like, no, I'm never going to be hurt again. So the absence of trust, there's a presence of pride. And it's amazing because this is juxtaposed perfectly because what we should want is absence of pride. And we should want more presence of trust, but we do the exact opposite. And I think it looks something like this. Heck, hold on, man, hold on. We gotta tell him. Uh, no, I don't care what the doctor said. We gotta tell him now. Ricky, the doctor told us that we should let you work it out in your own sweet time. But Ricky, you can walk. What'd you just say? He's telling you the truth, man. It's all in your head. You sick? I mean, you walk in that door on your two legs, all fat and cocky, and looking at me in my chair. And you tell me it's all in my head? I hope that both of you have sons, handsome, beautiful, articulate sons who are talented and star athletes and and they have their legs taken away. I mean, I pray you know that pain and that hurt. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't you put that on us. You are not paralyzed. I am so paralyzed. No, no, no. Rough on him now. No, he needs to know. Okay. He's always crying. Tough love it is, tough love. Wake up, idiot. You want to know what I am? You want to see what my life is? Don't Uh, don't do it. You want to see what's going on here? Don't you stick that knife in your leg. Just like a deer. We got a wiggle just a little bit. That's it. You feel that? Feel that? Yeah. 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 You are back. I love you guys. (laughs) I know I'll probably get in trouble for that. So, 
Sorry, sorry, Lena. What's the point? What's the point? Sometimes we have people in our lives that care and love us so much, and they're telling us the truth, telling us something that we need to hear, telling us something that we can't see ourselves because of the pride that comes with the absence of trust. And we are so prideful at times that we prefer to grab a knife and stick it into our legs and hurt ourselves and the people around us before we listen, before we can become vulnerable. What's it going to take for you? What's it going to take? Cursed is the man who trusts in their mere flesh. Cursed is what Jeremiah tells He's trying to tell the people they will not see prosperity when it comes. They prefer to stick a knife in their legs. Why do you lack trust? Have you thought about it? Have you understood it? What's that thing that happened to you when you were young? What is it? Be open about it. Write it down. And when will you submit to God's sovereignty? Excruciating vulnerability is the beginning of an authentic relationship with God. Last point. We all need God. And now Naomi's going to come up and share. Yeah. Hi, as Kenny said, my name is Naomi Stefan, and I'm a freshman at UCLA. Go Bruins. Um, and today I'm going to share with you a little bit about my journey with vulnerability and how it has truly allowed the cross to have impact in my life. Um, similar to as Matt shared earlier with starting out, um, I also grew up in the church and going to Sunday school classes and a lot of my life, I um, always wanted to say the right answers um, and I always knew the memory scripture when I would go to class and I was very, very performance oriented. I, I felt like I built up this expectation that other people had for me and I continually needed to live up to it. Um, and along with that, from a very young age, I was extremely independent, which is something I'll talk about a little bit more later. And so uh, when I got to the end of my seventh grade year, I decided that I wanted to start studying the Bible, but my motivations for doing so were completely wrong. Um, a lot of it was that I felt this is what other people expected of me, and this I need to fulfill their expectations. Um, as well, I wanted to be the first person of my friends to get baptized, because I felt like that was the role that I had always played, was being just one step ahead. Um, however, through this process, I was able to realize for the first time that I was truly sinful and that sin was having an active impact in my life. Um, I grew up knowing that, oh, everyone's a sinner, um, so obviously I'm a sinner too, but I didn't really see that that separated me from God. And when I was studying the Bible, they drew this diagram of people with three different backpacks that had three different bags of sin. Um, and mine was the smallest, and then there was someone with a little bit more, and then someone who had a very heavy bag. And they put us on one side, and a big open gap, and then God was on the other. And the first person with the largest bag of sin tried to jump and fell very quickly. Um, and I was like, yeah, obviously they're not going to make it across. Second person jumped. They made it about halfway, but they also fell. And then it was my turn to jump. And honestly, I completely thought I was going to make it to the other side. I was good with God. I was fine. Um, but when I jumped, I too fell short. 
Um, and it was the first time that I it registered with me that I was not um, in a right relationship with God and that I wasn't saved. Um, and so through that, I was able to be open about the sin that I saw at the time, connect with the cross, and I decided to get baptized on May 24th, 2014. Um, uh, even now, though, I now know that there was so much I did not understand about God, his love, or his grace. I truly believe that God saved me at just the right time because I don't think I would have been able to make it through the next four years without him. And so most of my testimony actually comes after I became a disciple. Um, as I mentioned before, I was very independent from a fairly young age. Um, I have an older sister named Jessica who has um, gone through a different uh, number of different medical conditions, and therefore she had to have um, several surgeries. Um, and in fourth grade, she had a surgery that impacted me the most. Um, she had a major back surgery, ended up being in the hospital for a lot longer than she was really supposed to. And um, when she got out of the hospital, there were several things she could no longer do on her own. And so she needed help. And I also have a younger sister, Sophia, who was just younger, so she also needed attention from my parents as well. Um, and I felt that I needed to be as independent as possible so that way I would never be a burden to my parents. Um, I felt that sharing my emotions or my feelings with other people made me a burden. Um, and so even into becoming a Christian, I was very limited in my ability to be vulnerable. So within the first months of um, after making the decision to make Jesus Lord, the first couple months were good, but really soon into my freshman year, they quickly took a downturn. Um, I didn't know how to deal with pressure that I put on myself or that I felt from others, and I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. Um, and during the beginning of my freshman year, I ended up becoming suicidal. Um, I would frequently be at the third floor of buildings, either at school or just um, when I was by myself, and I would think about why am I still here? Um, and I was seriously considering taking my life. Um, sorry. Uh, and then um, there was one night where I was sitting with my sister, and I was just um, feeling a lot of anxiety. I was very overwhelmed, um, and I decided that I had had it um, and that I wanted to take my own life. Um, and right before attempting, I sat on the floor, um, and I just cried, and I realized how far I had strayed from God. Even though I said that I committed my life to him and I said that I was following him, really in my heart I wasn't at all, um, and I wasn't living like I was in a relationship with him. Um, however, after coming to this realization, I was able to um, begin to rebuild my relationship with him and really turn to the Bible and grow in my understanding of it. Uh, however, even then, I was never fully open because I still had this mentality of I can't be a burden. Um, and I didn't become open until two years later while I was on Hope Youth Corps in Chicago. And so for those of you who don't know what Hope Youth Corps is, I was there for 10 days on a service trip. And going into it, I did not know anyone I was going to be there with. Um, but three days uh, into Youth Corps, I ended up um, opening up with people who I had just met um, and completely unemotionally telling them everything about my freshman year. Um, and I casually mentioned that I had never said anything to my parents. Um, and I was immediately challenged by one of the guys who was there to talk to my parents. And at the time, that seemed completely unthinkable uh, to tell them all of these things that I had gone through. Even though they were amazing and they were loving and I always knew that, I just felt like I could not put this on them by talking to them. Um, however, he shared with me um, very vulnerably about his relationship with his parents and about his life. Um, and after several hours of talking over the next two days, I ended up calling my parents while I was there and telling them absolutely everything. Um, from fourth grade until then, I had told them about all of my emotions. I had told them about my feelings towards them, especially in the face of some tragedies my family underwent. 
Um, and I told them about um, my freshman year. And I was one of the scariest things that I had ever done, but I was just met with absolute love by both of them. Um, they just wanted to understand and know how they could help me. Um, and it was the first time I fully understood the power of vulnerability. Uh, after hanging up with them was, I feel like, the first time that I fully understood the power of the cross and how completely freeing it was. Um, the next couple days were some of the happiest of my life just because I felt like I was in such a pure relationship with God where I no longer had any shame because everything was in front of the light. Over the next year, I ended up needing to go through therapy and, again, having another vulnerable conversation with my parents, telling them um, that I wanted to go. And it was one of the hardest years emotionally, but I saw God through every trial, and I saw how much he allowed me to overcome. Um, one of the scriptures that was mentioned earlier in Jeremiah 17:8, it says, He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. And even though this year was one of the most difficult emotionally, it was one of the best spiritually as I just saw so many victories that God allowed to happen and really practically bear fruit. Um, it was that year that I reconnected with someone who would later become one of my best friends, Nicole Sun, who is also now at Pepperdine. Um, and I was able to study the Bible with her and see her get baptized. Uh, and it was incredible to see that no matter how broken I was, God was still working. Um, however, it doesn't mean that after going through all this and working through these things that everything just goes away. Um, and for me, transition has always been a very difficult thing. Um, and starting college this year was a new transition, and it was definitely difficult. Um, and it was easy for me to be at the same place again. Um, while I was never to the point where I was during my freshman year, every time I was at a high point for these first couple weeks of school, whether it was the top of a building or the top of a cliff, I would have those same constant thoughts of, why don't you just jump? Um, what are you still doing here? And just extreme feelings of worthlessness. Um, I was overwhelmed, and it felt like everything from my past was brought up again, and Satan's lies regarding myself and who I was were very all-consuming. And I came to the conclusion that this was just going to be the struggle for the rest of my life, and I was never going to be able to overcome it. Um, and I felt like even though I knew I could never go back to the same place where I once was, it was never going to leave me. Um, however, in Lamentations 3, verse 19 through 24, it reads, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And it talks about this person who is in this place of darkness, but not consumed by everything happening around them because they're able to come to a place of light. Um, and through being vulnerable with people as well as vulnerable with God and completely raw about my emotions, um, I feel like I too have been able to come to this place of light where I know I am no longer consumed and always able to go back to his word. Um, just a couple weeks ago, with some people in our building um, on campus, we went to the Getty Center. And it's, if you've never been there, it's really beautiful. Um, but I stood at the top, and I was looking out at L.A., and I looked down, and I was like, well, that's kind of far of a drop. Um, but when I was looking out, I felt, wow, I am so happy to be alive, and I am so glad that I'm here. Um, I just felt incredibly free. Um, to know that I was able to go past um, a lot of these feelings that I had felt for so long 
and know that they no longer consumed me. The cross gives me this perspective that everything around me truly is powerless, and I have the ability to live freely, not trapped by myself, my past, or my own thoughts. Without the cross and the ability it gives me to be vulnerable, I truly don't know if I would be alive today, and I definitely would not be standing here in front of any of you. I am incredibly grateful for all God God has done in my life. Um, I am reminded day after day of my failures, of my shortcomings, of my insecurity, and ultimately my brokenness. However, I know none of my life would be possible without him, and for that, I'm forever grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Excruciating vulnerability is the beginning of an authentic relationship with God. And every time someone can come up and share what's really going on, that's church. And if we could just get every single, imagine if every single person in this room could do that. Just for one week, how amazing would church be? There would be no need to complain. We'd all just be coming together connecting with God, loving Him, and being motivated because we know that, hey, I struggle, you too, oh my gosh. It's because we need God. And it's easy for us to come and feel and then go back and do nothing, right? So I'm going to help us out a little bit. I'm going to give some action steps before the singers sing. Just a couple, we'll, we'll get this over with. I want you to, this is my schedule, I want you to print out a weekly schedule. Go home, maybe tonight, tomorrow. Just print it out. Google Calendar, iCal. Just print it out. Keep track of how you spend your time. You, not someone else. You keep track of how you spend your time. Account for last minute changes and leisure, such as entertainment, you know. The two hours you spend on Netflix still counts as time. I want you to write it all out. And at the end of the week, hand it to a disciple that you respect and admire. And ask them, based on my schedule and what you know about me, what gods do you see in my life? What things are taking me away from the true God? And then brainstorm ways to get rid of those gods. We're all in this together. We're trying to work together. But we need to be vulnerable. And maybe, just maybe, evangelism can be viewed like this. Rather than cold contact sharing and awkwardly meeting someone for the first time, maybe it's just telling people who you are with your whole heart based on what Jesus has done for you. So let's read out to me. What point? We all have gods. Say it with me. We all have gods, but they are not gods. Say it with me. We all lack trust. I have trust issues. And lastly, say it with me. We all need God. Thank you, guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.